On episode 502 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet James Petrosi and discuss his book, Know Thy True Self, The Formula to Raise Human Consciousness. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 502. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness. The 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Raz, how are things going? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Um, you know, when this episode goes live, I will be on vacation. Yay! <laughs> well, actually, actually, my vacation will have been over. Uh, we'll be driving north to uh, Indiana, but uh, I'll I'll be back in the states when this episode goes live, and I've had a nice vacation. Uh, but um, yeah, so right now it's just trying to get everything done so we can be gone for a month and uh, traveling around and still still do what we got to get done. But uh, so it's just a lot of moving parts this For week. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's a long time to be living out of a suitcase, but I know you're going to be visiting family and friends pretty much everywhere. So yeah. it'll be really rewarding. Yeah. Well, we, you know, I was of course high travel before uh, mm -hmm. and, and now I don't travel at all really um, especially in the COVID environment, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, we're, we'll have a rental car, and every, you know, all our bags are going in the rental car and yeah, it's a lot of hotel nights. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of almost used to that way of going because it's mm -hmm. how I lived a large portion of my life. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty good about uh, traveling and actually that's one of the upcoming episodes we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. uh, is, is how to stay healthy and fit while you're traveling. Uh, so this is our hello segment for this episode of episode 502. And uh, what we're going to do, because uh, I'm going to be traveling and it'll be a little bit more difficult to get recording done. And I want to actually try to really take a vacation short of just making sure I'm taking care of my clients uh, because all that's going to be happening. We're actually going to be recording our discussion of this episode, episode 503 and episode 504. So we're going to forego the, the hellos uh, episodes, segments for those episodes, because it, it, quite literally just be 10 minutes from now. I was like, Hey, how you doing? Uh, and we, yeah. and we're not that creative. Okay. We're just not, gonna, <laughs> we're not going to pretend it's, you know, it's, it is what it is, but, um, everything going okay for you. Oh yeah. Things are great. Um, got another runcation planned. We've got a weekend coming up. We'll be camping and doing a little race. So yep. Getting the most out of the summer as I can get. Good, good. Cause mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I mean, we're rolling into September. So it's, right. it's just around the corner. You're going to have some really comfortable running for the next mm -hmm. month and then poof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is about perfect because I have one more ultra for the year. I'm running the Kelhaven with some friends. It's a uh, 33 and a half miles and it's at the end of October. So I think that will be a lovely day for running. You know, you never know what you're going to get here in Michigan, but it'll be much better than in the middle of the summer. It's been so hot and humid here. Oh yeah. Yeah. But mm -hmm. wow. 33 miles. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. It'll still be a long day, but it'll be a nice long day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Great. Our guest today is an expert in consciousness, the mind, and creating behavioral change. 
His insights in the human experience have been used for the past 25 plus years to develop marketing, sales, and coaching strategies for Fortune 500 and emerging growth organizations. He founded PTNL with the vision of creating a more consciously connected world. He is passionate about helping organizations realize their potential by implementing a holistic, proactive approach to transforming company culture. A master facilitator and a dynamic presenter, he utilizes his experience in talent development, creative strategy, and decades of research into the human condition to offer a practical solution that transforms people's lives. With no further ado, here's James Petrosi. James, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Hey, thanks so much. So uh, happy to be here with you, especially because I turned 41 last year. So now I'm officially part of the tribe, which feels Congra- really cool. <laughs> Congratulations. You're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> so the book is called Know Your True Self, The Formula to Raise Human Consciousness. And, you know, when I saw the book uh, and it was brought to my attention, I was like, you know, we don't spend any time doing that. Most of us are so in, in our world, in the past, in the future, that just to sit down and, and have that honest conversation, uh, even if it's just in your head, um, you know, it's okay if you talk to yourself, but, um, you know, it's just, it was just one of those things of saying that, that is so important for us to, to do, but we almost dedicate no time to it. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a big challenge. And I, just based on how we're learning and receiving information right now, we're in this onslaught of the 24 seven connected world. And inside of there, you look at all of the knowledge that we've amassed over the past, just let's look at like 30 years, because it wasn't until the nineties, we even studied the brain. And we know so much right now. And there's aggregates of information out there. And sometimes we tend to focus on just one small piece of the puzzle and it takes us away from the bigger picture of our existence, humanity, everything that we deal with on a daily basis. So our goal in developing this, and it was a journey I did with my, my father as, as he was going through a lot of health issues was really to take core principles and integrate them into a philosophy to help people look inward because to your point, it's not something we usually do. We're usually just so unconsciously directed in our own world, getting from place to place from moment to moment that we're not really even taking time to reflect on the moments we're in or why we're feeling these ways. It's a, a challenge that we're facing. And, and one of the challenges where you see this, you know, large majority of the population that can't cope with the reality that we've even created, you know, the amount of anxiety and depression, a lot of it's in many ways self-induced by not taking that time to really look at yourself, which is a huge challenge. It's not easy to do that. I, I, I completely agree. And it's, as I was going through the book and I was thinking, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of things that way. And, you know, maybe I had thought of certain things a certain way. And, and as I started putting it together, I'm like, I, I need, <laughs> I, I need to do this more because I'm not, I'm not good at it yet. And I should be, I'm 55 years old. I should know myself pretty well. Uh, but you know, there's still bits and pieces that I'm like, okay, I, I need to do a little work here. And the book is, is really well laid out because it allows you to go through each 
piece of that um, because you've laid it out really cool and, and it's a good visual book. There's a lot of white space and it's so it's not a heavy, hard psychological read, you know, where you're, you're reading a psycholo psychology text. Uh, but it's in there. It's so interesting that I was like, okay, I, I, I've read this book or read something about this in this, you know, so I, I knew a lot of the concepts, but there's one that it, it kind of evades me because I, I want to believe it. And then I don't want to believe it um, because I, I like having free will. Um, I like thinking I have free will, uh, but, and, and I think we all know the, the kind of the, uh, the, the picture of our brain is like a computer. So whatever's been coded in the brain is, is what's going to come out the other side. Uh, and if we want to uh, change that change of behavior, we have to change our brain first by what we put into it. So we got to change the code. Um, right. Why is it so hard for us to just decide we're going to do something like break a habit or start a new habit or really in some cases, just even being in control. Yeah. And you bring up that control and that choice and that free will. And to an extent it does exist in our lives. And, you know, if you just look at the functioning of us as a human, there's so much that happens that happens on an unconscious level that we're not in control of. And if you just look at everything that's happening with us right now, we're talking to each other. We're not thinking about how do I form these words? We're not thinking about, I need to breathe. My heart needs to pump. We have all of these energy systems within us that are working in concert at such a meticulous level that's keeping us alive. Just that unconscious energy is incredible. And that's working through something that's divinely inspired, this universal consciousness we're all part of. And then also our brain. And, you know, our brain is almost like this. I like to think of it as an antenna and that antenna has all of these senses connected to it. And whenever we perceive something, whenever we experience something, whenever we engage in self-talk, um, all of that information is coming into our consciousness through the brain. And there's this interplay between the brain and the mind. The brain is this tangible object, right? Full of neurons, and cells, and our mind is sort of boundless and eternal. Where's your brain? You could point to it. And you're like, where's your mind? Well, it's working through my brain, but it's working through everything. So there's a lot of awakening just inside of realizing that. But getting to your question just about why is it hard to break these habits that we have that form? It's because you know the brain relies on routines. And whenever we give ourselves a thought, whenever we experience something we start to program deep neuron chains. These neuron chains start to form around these experiences. And, you know, for sometimes good and for sometimes bad, those neuron chains start firing up. And, you know, a good example is um, I drank really heavily for a long time in my life and I don't anymore. And it was usually for celebration because I accomplished a ton and I wanted to party and I wanted to go out and have fun. I had neuron chains developed in my brain that whenever I accomplish something, they start lighting up, getting excited, time to drink, and there's a habit formation in there. Now, if you want to break that habit, you need to develop new, healthier neuron chains, new routines when you have a level of achievement. And to do so is hard because 
even though those neuron chains might fade as you develop new habits, they never go away. They're always there. So you always have to be conscious of the thoughts that you're having, the feelings that you're having, what you're sort of uh, gravitating to doing at every given moment, because you know it's because of those routines that the brain can even function. The brain relies on them, even as a biocomputer, it relies on those uh, in terms of habit formation. And, and to break those chains and create new ones is just an ongoing challenge that we face in so many aspects of our life. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is brought to you by Timeline Nutrition, the makers of MitoPure. We've talked about the importance of mitochondria, the power generators at the heart of nearly every cell in our body. So you know keeping your mitochondria healthy is an important step in feeling good and slowing the aging process. Several years ago, I read about pomegranate being a superfood, but I could seldom find it at the grocery store, and the juice has more sugar than a Coke. So I ditched the idea. Now there's Timeline Nutrition's MitoPure. We learned that it's the urolithin A that seems to be what's improving the mitochondria, and the pomegranate was providing a precursor. We can't get urolithin A from food. Basically, our gut bacteria turn elegetinins in the pomegranate into urolithin A. Unfortunately, most of us don't produce enough urolithin A to optimize mitochondrial health. Urolithin A is the primary ingredient in TrueLine Nutrition's MitoPure. Okay, science lesson over. MitoPure comes in a powder form to mix into yogurt or your favorite smoothie, a protein powder if you're looking for a great one-two punch of muscle support, or soft gels. I've been using MitoPure for a few weeks. I have the powdered form that is a light berry flavor, which is good for plain yogurt, sour cream, or cream cheese. Yeah, I do all of those yet it won't overpower anything you choose to add it to. We all know that our body responds positively to a healthy lifestyle, including nutrition, movement, sleep, stress management, and reducing our toxic exposure. But if you're looking for ways to optimize your mitochondrial health, check out Timeline Nutrition's MitoPure. Go to TimelineNutrition.com and use my promo code 40PLUS, 40 plus, for 10% off on the plan of your choice. Could you, I mean, because I think, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you, you care <laughs> about positive change. You're trying to improve your health. You're trying to improve your fitness. Uh, you're trying to do positive change. So if we've got these, these neuron chains that are kind of driving a behavior that we know is not good for us, and we want to put in more neuron chains for positive actions, how do we go about doing that? Yeah, the, the biggest... Whenever it comes to rewiring your brain, uh, I think the most advantageous thing you can do is practice thought observation. And thought observation can be challenging because sometimes we're under the illusion that when we're thinking about something a lot, we really care about it. When it's actually, when we're creating space between our thoughts, we're finding peace. And you know that's why meditative practices have become so important and and I think like 40% of Americans have now at least tried meditation, which is great, but meditation is just one component of thought observation. It has to be thought observation as you're navigating life. And when you do get an impulse, 
and an impulse for a behavior, the best thing that you can do is not give into that impulse immediately, create a, a delay. So that neuron chain might be telling someone that uh, likes to eat fatty foods. Oh my God, I just really want to order a, a, a big meat lover's pizza right now. And, you know, you can easily go to any food app, any delivery service, and they're, they're ready to fire up all these neuron chains associated with that. Next thing you know, you're in the impulse zone. But if you can, when that impulse arises that you know is a challenge for you, and it might be just identifying, here's one impulse I wanna work on right now, just one thing at a time, then to identify that thought, identify that that thought is not my true self, that thought has been programmed in my mind by past experiences I've had. Here's the root of that. Remove yourself from the situation for 10 to 15 minutes. Direct your consciousness to another activity. It could just be reading a book, watching something positive on television, having a conversation with a friend, spouse, loved one. And then after that 10 to 15 minutes, that neuron chains activity will slow down a little bit. And that's a great time to to engage in a meditative practice is, you know, when you get the impulse, just cool yourself down a little bit. And, you know, usually when you do that, it, it, you know, that desire doesn't mean you still might not want a pizza, but the level of, of um, impact on your mind and you'll be able to control it will definitely be a lot, a lot more manageable. So from a practical perspective, I'm hearing that to mean, delete the pizza hut or Domino's app off your phone <laughs> because that makes it, they, they've removed the barrier. You can literally push button and, and the pizza that you always order uh, is on the way. Um, already paid for uh, the driver knows where you live. It's all there. And they make it really, really easy to, to do that. So we delete that off of our phone. And at least at that point, it slows us down and we got it. We have an opportunity to, to feel that impulse, to deal with it, uh, to observe it. Um, and I, I always think this is really important because when I'm talking to my clients about their journey, when they're trying to get themselves healthy and fit, is that the, the warning signs are there. The things that trip us up are the same things that tripped us up before. So if we've been struggling with alcohol, we've been struggling with, with weight and the food choices, um, and we've tried before and failed those, those, those failures are not fails because you're still trying, you're still in the game. So they're, they were learning opportunities, uh, in, in your practice of self-awareness. But I think for a lot of us, we're, we're not really good at self-awareness. And that's what I was kind of leaning towards at the very beginning of this was if I go out and say, okay, I know that meeting my friends at the bar, I'm more than likely going to order an IPA. And that's not going to suit me for serve me for what I'm trying to do right now for my health and fitness. Um, but I also don't want to say no to my friends. And so, but I, I know that's the thing. And I'm from a self-awareness perspective, it's there. Uh, but if my friends call me, I don't, I, I do it. And so why, why is it so difficult for us to practice self-awareness and, and all these roadblocks and, and, and how we get it done? Because I think this is the, to me, this is where the rubber hits the road for anyone looking to do something positive in their lives is yeah, think, you got to get this one done. Yeah. And let's start with just desire. Cause you bring up desire a lot because desire is really where a lot of our unhealthy habits come from. And 
you know, the reward center of the brain is directly associated with those desires. And in many ways, the promise of the reward is better than the reward itself. So, you know, the promise of that pizza, that beer, um, anything that is sort of one of your overindulgences in the world, you know, after you have that, how do you feel? Pretty crappy most of the time, you know, you're not like, oh my God, I just, I just had a, a large <laughs> pizza. I'm, I'm ready to like take on the world. It's like, you know, it's the promise of it is so great and you even see that with like tests with rats and the pleasure center of the brain it's you know if they're associated to hitting a lever to get a reward and with pressing that lever they get a shock they will get that reward the first time maybe it's a little piece of food complemented by that shock now over time the piece of food won't be there, but they'll just keep hitting that lever and it's hitting the pleasure center of the brain, releasing all of this dopamine and they're shocking themselves into submission because the promise of that reward is greater than the reward itself. So it's really challenging. And if you think about the world we live in, because I love the example you brought about just removing the app from your phone. It's right now, it's not the promise of, you know, being out on a hunt in our primitive nature and all of a sudden we trek miles and miles and miles and we come across some fruits and this might be the only sugar that we find for months and now we can just go to the grocery store or an app and there's whole aisles dedicated to refined aspects of sugar so you know the same instincts that kept us alive for hundreds of millions of years are out now the root cause of our you know addictions because of this overindulgence and you know a lot of that just comes back to when you think about your self-awareness is making sure that you understand that i'm not these thoughts i'm the one that observes these thoughts and when that impulse arises i've always learned to practice to ask myself who am i who am i who am i and just by asking yourself who am I? It's like the thought that ends all thoughts <laughs> because it puts you in this reflection. It's like, I'm not someone that's defined by this habit. I'm not someone that's defined by this experience. I'm the one that observes this and then has the ability. And that's where that like choice comes in. Cause if 95% of what we, we do is happening unconsciously. And that's just because of all the programming in our brain and all the things we talked about that are happening in our body on an unconscious level. But to keep that 5% of choice that we have is so precious. And if we start letting all of these technologies pull our strings and all of these dopamine triggers, because the triggers are everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. You know, we really have to look at every, start to look at everything from a very objective level and, and, and just remember to observe every thought that we have objectively as, as much as we can, especially when it comes to our specific addictions, challenges, goals that we're looking to achieve. Yeah. As I, as I got into that part of the book, I was like, okay, this is, this is getting really stoic. <laughs> and, uh, you actually, and then you quoted, um, a stoic. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm yeah, on the right, I'm, on, right. I'm, I'm in the right, I'm in the right room. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Um, and one of the things that really, uh, attracts me to stoicism, to Buddhism, uh, is this concept of acceptance. And I know Buddhism and Stoicism are two different things, but they, they carry this commonality in, in my worldview. 
is that we need to look at what's going on around us as not defining us. And if we can take that objective step back, which is not easy, but if we can take that objective, that, that step back and say, okay, I'm going to look at this and then I'm going to decide how to act based on what I know is right, based on some virtues and some truths, um, then we're in a better place. But that takes acceptance. That takes knowing what you can control, what you can't control. Uh, you have to accept it. You have to accept what's there. Uh, it's, it's very powerful. It's, again, it's, it's very hard. Uh, and I think anything in life that's, that's really hard, uh, the payoff is huge. But could you talk about the power of acceptance? Yeah, the, the power of acceptance is appreciating reality as it is, as it currently stands. And you brought up understanding what we can and can't control. You know, I can't control that I just turned 40 and my body's now in a state of contracting. I can't control that. You know, I can't control what other people might think of me. I can't control the weather. I can't control the fact that, that I'm going to die someday. I can't control that there's a, a pandemic. All I really have to control is how I respond to all of these things that are happening to me in my life and looking for the opportunity in all of these because we seem to, as a culture, love to thrive on the highs and the lows. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, like COVID, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to us. And it's like, it's going to end, it's going to end. And it's like, now it's back. And we're, we're just this ping pong ball going up and down, up and down, riding these highs and lows. And when you learn to accept everything that happens to you in life, you really start to go with the flow. I know acceptance has been challenging even for me to practice. It's not easy all the time, but you know, when I quit drinking I thought I'm going to quit drinking, I'm already in great shape. I'm just going to become like in super shape. My mental capacities are going to be sharp. And then I quit drinking. I got hit with other really hard health concerns and I wasn't able to exercise for a while. I felt like my body was deteriorating. Doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And it took, you know, about a year for me to stabilize again and to get back into positive routines. But during that time, I, I took it as, you know, what's happening to me right now is an important experience. It's helping me learn about more about myself. I've been so much in the outer world, participating in life, going to parties. And now this is a chance for me to discover more about my inner world without those blocks around me. And whatever we're going through is, is a huge opportunity for growth. Like, you know, even I think Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich said something to the effect of, um, you know, with every seed of adversity comes an equal seed of opportunity, the greater adversity, the greater opportunity, but our mind and our subconscious is going to focus on not what's right, but what's wrong. So to reframe that isn't like a one-time event. You really have to practice reframing everything in life. Like my wife and I have this, I, uh, I wouldn't call it a game, a state of being where, you know, you just don't complain. You don't complain about anything. And if you catch yourself complaining about something that's out of your control or judging another person or an experience, you immediately reframe it to what's beautiful in that experience, what's beautiful about that person, because all we have to control is our response to life experiences. And if we learn to do that, it really takes our well-being and stabilizes it. You stop looking at everything as 
this is going to be the best time of my life. The best trip. It's just, is. it just is. And everything that just is, you know, is getting you closer to celebrating enlightenment, celebrating enlightenment is appreciating what is with an open objective mind and heart. I think to, to do that, um, the, the real thing comes down to a concept. You, another concept you had in the book was, was self-love. You know, we have this voice and I you think you quoted a statistic, uh, 80% of the voice in our head is, is typically negative. Uh, and it's talking a lot, uh, probably more words than you actually use in your mouth. Your, your head's talking to you a lot more. Um, and if most of that is negative, uh, then you're, you're coding in that negative expression. You're coding in that negative response uh, because you're in it and, and you're struggling. And as you mentioned, like COVID or uh, something goes on with our health. If we're having those negative voices and they're winning the argument because they're louder and they're speaking more often, um, we're going to really struggle with a lot of these things. And the only way to really come out the other end, in my opinion, is through self-love. Yes, self-love is, is so crucial and needs to be practiced on so many different paradigms. You know, when it comes to self-love and that voice, you know, first is not identifying with that voice. It's creating space between those thoughts. And when you are accepting start just appreciating reality as it is and being grateful for what is that voice becomes a lot quieter um, it doesn't mean it won't fire up because it's trying to protect you and all it's doing is sending up messages based on what it believes to be true all of the experiences it has so if you're a hardcore nike fan and you see someone in a other type of sports gear and you're judging like oh how could they like under armor that's not you that's your unconscious mind being programmed to believe that, right? That's on a material level. But, you know, when it comes to self-love and self-talk, you know, if you grew up in an environment where you were told you're not going to amount to anything and you're worthless, and that was programmed to you from a, a very young age, that's a formative time. Your mind, whenever you're looking to achieve something, it's going to send that trigger up and that thought impulse is going to come up. So, Sometimes it's things that happen to us that we judge in the material world. Sometimes it's things that happen in the formative times in our lives. And other times it's things as adults where we start questioning ourselves. Oh, I don't know if I can do this, you know, and you start looking at what you want to achieve. If it's a health and wellness objective and, you know, you're, you're 300 pounds and your goal is to get to 190 and, you know, it's day two and you just feel like nothing's happening you know, that negative self-talk is just going to start firing up. It's like, you're always going to be overweight. You're never going to be able to accomplish this. And that's when reprogramming yourself with positive self-talk. I think one of the, the greatest ways to do that is just to develop, I don't want to call it a mantra. I just like to call it like a mission or vision statement, which is a reaffirmation of who I am. You know, it's like, um, just something simple that you can write up in a paragraph, recite to yourself every morning, every time you're getting down and every time before you go to bed and create positive self-talk within that because self-talk and self-love go hand in hand. And, and just knowing that, you know, we're boundless with our potential, you know, what holds us back is the contents of our mind, which aren't necessarily truths, right? They're not truths of our reality. We have the ability to 
to shape and mold and do that. And that's the beautiful thing about the brain. We reprogram our brain with our mind and our brain has plasticity. So it's not hardwired. It's not fixed. So anytime someone says, this is just the way I am, I'm like, well, that's the way you're choosing to be. <laughs> you know, We all have the ability to change. And if, if you don't believe it, there's this great book um, called uh, The Boy That Was Raised as a Dog. Really sad story about a, a, a child that had a very horrible upbringing, was raised by a mentally ill, uh, I think it was his, his mother's brother, and he was locked in a cage for the early part of his life. And he was raised like he was a dog. And they ended up you know, doing a lot of work with brain plasticity to rewire his thoughts, his emotions and behavior. And, you know, after months of, of um, going through therapy, he entered kindergarten. There's hope for all of us. We can all overcome. And, and that's the beauty about what you're doing and, and what we're doing is just helping people realize that, that we're not stuck in this fixed rut that we believe to be true. It's going to take a little work to build a ramp to get out of there, but, but we can all do it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for me, one of the big steps now, because I, I fall into that trap myself a lot, uh, unfortunately, and I, I try to get out of it, but we, we, we use certain, I, I always find the trigger to figure out when I'm having negative self-talk, it, it typically comes down to a particular word. Like if I ever, if I'm ever thinking always, you always do that, or you never do that, or you can't, there's just these, these key words that I've, I really just pay attention and as I know as soon as that word hits my head, what I'm about to say is, is a false belief. It's a limiting belief. And so it's, it's, it's hard. I'm not going to say any of this is easy uh, because that's the whole concept of know your true self takes that, that kind of work. And so, yeah, it's just, I'm always looking, I'm always, I'm always looking <laughs> when those words come up, I'm like, okay, um, I've got to stop myself and, and kind of rethink uh, how I'm, how I'm, what I'm, how I'm going to phrase this because it, it really just comes down to taking that objective step back, getting your head straight and saying, okay, what, what is really going on here and, um, and stepping into it. Now, one of the ways that I think most of us know if we're going to be successful at getting something positive happening in our lives is we've got to set goals. Yeah. Uh, and I worked in a corporate environment, so we had smart goals and I've had other folks talking about goals. But your approach was was kind of fresh in that it's you're not throwing an acronym at us and saying here's a here's a process go do this, but it was just here's the things that make a goal good. Can you kind of talk about goal setting? Right, I think you know yeah because goal setting the reality is if we want to create change, I think from a top level it's we have to make that commitment. You know, I, I we get so caught up in this world into like life hacks, thirty day challenges, ninety day challenges. If we're looking at something as a challenge, we're not going to achieve any type of long-term results. But I like to look at goals holistically. And obviously, like physical goals are very important to us. Um, also, to even now, you know, social goals, how we're interacting with people, who we're interacting with. And aside from just social as getting together with your friends, maybe over an IPA, then there's also family goals. You know? people that are really in your immediate inner circle, you know, it might be your parents or siblings and there's sort of your physical, your social and your um, family goals, but then we all have financial goals, right? That's another paradigm of this. 
Um, then we have our career goals and our career goals are usually tied to our financial goals. Then we have our sort of hobbies, our talent development, I like to call it. You know, what are the things that we're looking to do that supplements this life, uh, other passion points that we're looking to engage in because our talents shift and evolve over time. So how are we nurturing new ones as, as we age and get older, especially as we enter the second half of our life, it's critically important. And then, you know, on the other side of that physical goal, now you see spiritual goals. So what are our spiritual goals? Is it, you know, a spiritual group I belong to? Is it meditation? Is it looking inward more? So you look at that paradigm and, and what I like to do with some of my clients is, is say, okay, let's look at this whole spectrum of goals and start to give yourself a rating in these categories. Am I proficient? I'm at like a hundred percent or am I really, really lacking? And just focus on a couple of the categories you're looking to improve in and set goals within those categories and try to create a balance within that chart that you're firing all those cylinders because that brings you into almost a, a holistic well-being approach because i know with fitness it's tough because sometimes fitness goals since it is an outer expression can really take over and sometimes fitness goals need to be tempered by spiritual goals because we're so ready to like <laughs> show off our buffness to the world that we forget that you know it's our inner world that also matters as well then if we're so much going out so socially all the time, it's like, hey, I've lost touch with how important it is just to make sure I'm talking with my family. And if it's a career goal, you know, I love this career, but I'm going to take the gas off that a little bit. I'm going to focus on this other piece of talent development I have, because this might bring me into a new financial level if I want to change career paths down the road. So it's nice just to look at yourself from that, that total well-being. Yeah. Well, the concept that you brought up was a uh, very similar, very, very similar to a thing called life audit. And, and basically you have the criteria that you're going to measure your life by uh, how you're doing today. Uh, and I would say like when I first started my journey, uh, very successful in my career, uh, was doing really, really well, far exceeding what I had set as targets for where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. Um, but my personal life and my physical well-being were they're crap, <laughs> like zeros, you know, like zeros. And I was like, you know, I, I, until I get balance across these, I'm not going to be who I need to be. Uh, and it meant uh, ending toxic relationships. It, it meant changing behaviors. Um, and it was a very tough uh, eight years of, of fighting my way through that change. Um, and it, it really just came down to me realizing that I I was all in on one thing. And I, and while I was exceptional at it, um, the rest of me was not whole. And until I did something from a, from a more holistic view of my life, uh, I wasn't going to be who I deserve to be. So um, I do think this is a really important part of the book because it, it gives us that opportunity to really focus where we want to put our energies because we have a limited energy bank. And if we're, if we're all focused in one direction, um, then yeah, we might have success there, uh, but we're going to be lacking. Yeah. And I love what you said there about it took eight years because sometimes I think we're <laughs> under the false belief that we're going to fix everything so quickly and we expect everything to happen so quickly. And 
just the commitment it takes to making that change and the commitment it takes to getting into well-being and just making sure that you're focusing on just being a little bit better today than you were yesterday and not getting discouraged if there's a setback and just really appreciating that growth opportunity because if you look at everything else in nature you know nature grows through extreme periods of you know insular growth cocoons rebirth and we're an expression of nature ourselves and sometimes i think we forget that we're releasing energetic layers finding new energetic currents and to find those currents and to move into those new currents is a lot of work and and there's going to be a lot of regrowth along the way and you're going to be questioning yourself i know I was in a similar situation. I was in you know, the advertising space for, for years. I loved my job. I was crushing it, but I just didn't feel right. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't giving me the sense of fulfillment other than the business win, uh, other than crushing it at work. And, you know, even making the transition to do this, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. And I think we all just have to make sure that and realize that, you know, we all have the ability to grow. We all have the ability to, ability to develop ourselves and you just got to put in the work. And James, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Yeah, um, great question. I think the first one is just appreciate the moment, whatever that moment is, find the opportunity in it and appreciating that moment, making sure that we're expressing gratitude. You know, when we express gratitude for something great that's happening in our lives, it prolongs that level of contentment um, for an extended period of time. Even replaying past memories that we've had that are good can bring moments of gratitude to us. Then when things are going bad, if you're ever suffering, you're sick, you're in the hospital, you've had a setback, finds gratitude in that moment and it will decrease the length of that suffering that you're having. Gratitude is a, a wonderful tool to help fluctuate and equalize our contentment in life uh, first. Um, second is limit your time on social media. <laughs> you know, it's like the biggest one. I've been preaching it for years and, um, you know, social media is a brilliant innovation. I don't like to speak poorly about it, but you know, we can't rely on governments or institutions to tell us how much we can use it. You know, we need licenses to drive cars, but we don't need licenses to use social media. But social media can really drastically affect our, our, our health emotionally. You know, you start comparing yourselves to others. You start complaining about what you have. It leads to jealousy. So when you do see something on social media that's a trigger, just remember to be grateful for what that person is experiencing. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. You know, you are the experience. You're your own being. You're on your own journey. Appreciate theirs. And uh, I think finally is, is, you know, just actively engage in thought observation. And the more you start to observe your thoughts, the more natural it comes. I mean, I've written Know Your True Self. I'm still on this journey, just like everybody else. You know, we're always on the journey. And, you know, thought observation becomes easier as you do it when you're just navigating life. But, you know, if you have five minutes of downtime, you're waiting for something, just pause and just reflect on, you know, what are the thoughts that have entered my head today? 
so far? Where are those thoughts coming from? Like, why am I identifying with these thoughts? And the more you start engaging in that thought observation on a regular basis, the more all of those negative thoughts that surface become a lot quieter and you're going to find a lot more peace just in the space that exists between thoughts and finding that space, which is just such a blissful experience. And James, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you uh, and the time you've spent with us today. Uh, if someone wanted to learn more about you and the book, Know Your True Self, where would you like for me to send them? Yeah, please go to uh, ptnl.com. PTNL is uh, the name of my company. It's the abbreviation for potential. You can also find me at jamesi on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I'm the only James Petrassi. And if you go to do go to ptnl.com, there's also a, a, a true self-assessment quiz. So feel free. It's free just to take an assessment to see how connected you are with your true self. Great. Well, James, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Hey, thanks so much. I'm glad I'm 40 so I could do it. <laughs> I have some people under 40, it's, it's, which we're all <laughs> inclusive here. We're all inclusive. Cool. <laughs>Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. That was a really interesting discussion you had. And there's a couple of phrases that stood out to me. But first of all, uh, James's book, Know Your True Self. Wow. You know, that's a really deep thought that I, I don't give credit to too often. I don't take the time to really think of what, what my true self is all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, um, there's a meme that goes around Facebook a lot in the health and fitness field. And it's uh, who, who is who is causing me to not be able to lose weight or not to get fit. And it's Fred <laughs> Jones from uh, the Scooby Doo cartoon. And he's pulling the mask off of whoever's was the villain for this show. And it's mm -hmm. him, he's looking at himself. Mm. And and so so many times when we're on a health and fitness journey, or we're trying to get something done, and even in any aspect of our lives, we often find ourselves falling into the same traps over and over again, even though we tell mm -hmm. ourselves, well, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. We do it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like those Scooby-Doo cartoons. It is kind of you know? a re repetition of our own sabotage. And so, you know, the, the process that he goes through in the book is really good because it, it really shows you how you're wired. It shows you why you're wired that way. Um, and then he gives you a lot of great information on how you can start to reverse that trend. And the very first part of it is that point where you realize, okay, I'm doing this because I'm wired to do this. So I have to look for what's happening before it happened. Mm. So sometimes that's a postmortem. It's like, why did I eat a whole box of cookies? And you're mad at yourself for doing it, but you sat there and watched your TV show on Netflix and you ended up eating a whole box of cookies or a whole sleeve of Girl Scout cookies or whatever it is. And you're not happy about it. But here's the thing. If you take some time to do that postmortem, you're going to find, okay, why was I eating? Well, I was bored. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if it's the feeling of boredom that has you doing these things then you just want to do that pause. The next time you feel bored, you're clicking around on, on your phone and you're Facebooking and you're watching a Netflix movie and you, you know, your mind's everywhere else. That's probably a dangerous time. Mm -hmm. 
you know? And so recognizing where you are right then, it's like, oh, I need to get myself a glass of water. I need to go for a walk. I need to do something to distance myself from the action that I'm very likely to do. So for a lot of people, I'll tell them just don't have cookies in the house. Now that's sometimes easier said than done. If you've got kids mm-hmm. and they're going to have cookies in the house or all these things that you shouldn't eat, uh, that's going to be there. But if at all possible, if that wasn't there and you literally had to get into a car and drive to the supermarket or a convenience store to buy the thing that you wanted to buy, that gives you time. That gives you that gap. That gives you that space. So um, just kind of having that awareness that there is a trigger to mm-hmm. just about everything we do. We are wired like a computer. The program is in there. So once the command comes over, it's going to it's gonna be executed the same way every time unless we do something to rewire the computer. Well, that was the fascinating thing about what he mentioned was taking uh, the term thought observation to really take a minute to think about what you're feeling. But then he went on to say, Um, to delay your reaction time and kind of a light bulb went off in my head, like, okay, I'm craving chocolate or I'm craving cookies. Like you mentioned, think about that thought for a moment. Why are you craving that? What can you do instead? And take, take a pause. I think he mentioned in a couple different ways, just to um, remove yourself from that situation Um, He suggested for 15 minutes and then make a decision after that. Do you still want that cookie after 15 minutes or have you moved on? You don't really crave it anymore. And, and like you've mentioned in the past, having something uh, to do instead, like go for that walk or have that glass of water or something, but we don't often take that minute to really put words and identify the impulse and then figure out what our reaction should really be like. That was kind of a a big light bulb moment for me. Yeah. The way I've kind of heard it said in the past was, okay, if you're hungry, Mm -hmm. hunger doesn't go away. If it's an urge, it can't. So Mm -hmm. you can outweigh an urge. So if you have an urge to eat and then say you've already kind of had your third meal for the day and you're like, okay, (laughs) I've already sent in my, my fitness pal. So I'm done for the day logging my food. And then you feel hungry and you want to go in there and start snacking (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you have to ask yourself, is this really hunger or is this something else? And Mm -hmm. typically, again, if you can distance yourself from the time and that can be go for a walk, water, uh, just do something different for a while. If you're still hungry after 20 minutes, 30 minutes, then it was hunger. Mm-hmm. But if it's an, was just an urge, a lot of times those just go away. Yeah, you were in a stress. You were in a stressful moment. You were bored. Something mm-hmm. was going on, and uh, maybe you saw something on Facebook and got triggered. And so now that's that's what that was your trigger. And so mm-hmm. if you start sensing those things are happening, the more you can get in front of it, the better. You know, because it yeah, postmortem's great. You learned from your slip. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. But you have to act on it. And so the more you can get in front of it or like, why am I walking into the kitchen at 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't, I don't belong in this room after 10 o'clock, right. all the dishes are done. The floors are clean. This room is off limits for at least the next half hour. And, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, so you have to question why you're doing what you're doing and you got to get in mm-hmm. front of it. And when you do that, then you have an opportunity, uh, to, to get over all, all this stuff that you're doing. And it's really, it's hard. It's hard to 
you know, take off the gloves and, and be real with yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you love yourself, then you want to know yourself. It's just, you know, any, any relationship that you have that's truly based on love, you want to take the time to get to know that person so you can treat them well all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because he mentioned having self-love and he pointed out that over 80% of our voice is negative and and that negative voice talks a lot and it talks loudly. And it's, it's really striking to me that um, it's 80% of, of our thoughts are so negative towards ourselves. And I, I think that people, we all need to really work hard to turn that around and focus on the more positive things about ourselves. Yeah. I would say the 80% is probably an average. Um, I know people that their, their self-talk has to be 100% bad. I just, they're just, you know, the way they treat themselves, the way they go through things, the way they talk about themselves to me, to other people. I'm like, you, you don't like yourself right now. And, and, and I didn't either. I mean, you know, when I was, when I was sitting on the beach and I was, you know, I called myself the fat bastard and I didn't have self-love at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like who I had become. And that was a real wake up call. Unfortunately, it took me eight years to, <laughs> to do anything really good about it and get it all kind of in a better place. But um, that was a real true first recognition that I was not on the path I was meant to be on. Mm-hmm. And so once you get that going and then you start finding ways to treat yourself better, you start removing toxic things from your life, toxic relationships, toxic foods, toxic everything. Once you start doing that, you can start the ball rolling in the right position, right, right direction. Oh, for sure. It breaks my heart. It really just breaks my heart when people think so poorly of themselves, because I mean, I think people are amazing. I think all of us has some important thing to do in society for our friends, for our families. And, and, and I, I think that we need to recognize all the amazing things that we do. And um, I think I was, pregnant with my first child and weighed over 200 pounds during that pregnancy, which is at least 75 pounds more than I should have been weighing at that time in a pregnancy. And when I, when I was done, my baby was born and she was healthy. You know, of course I was incredibly overweight, but uh, I wasn't comfortable and I wasn't happy with my health at that moment, but I was so proud to be a mom. That was my first child. She made me a mom and I was my mind was occupied on being the best mom I could be. And so I guess it didn't really overshadow my weight situation. I just knew that was something I needed to deal with. And, um, and it wasn't easy to lose all that weight, certainly, or to get to where I am even today at 50. But I just wish people could really recognize that even when you're not feeling your absolute best, there is something wonderful about you. Yeah. Uh, And I know it's hard because Mm -hmm. there's, you know, when you're looking at yourself and thinking about what you don't like about yourself, it just has this big emphasis. It's very easy for you to say, Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. I wish this was bigger. I wish I was taller. I wish this, you know, and, and you can, you can think all those things and uh, feel all those things. Uh, You know, a lot of people want a full head of hair. I I just gave up (laughs) on that notion, Uh, you know, and it, and so you can, you can keep nitpicking yourself to death. Mm. Uh, So it's really a function of saying, okay, I I know I bring value to the world. I know I can bring more value to the world. The actions that I'm taking don't define who I am Mm -hmm. when I can change those actions. Sure. So taking the time to 
to clean out those old bad habits, rewrite your programming, start doing little bitty things, you know, setting goals and getting something done positive, and then just having a gratitude practice where you, you sit down at times and you just think, you know, I'm, I'm the luckiest human being on earth. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I've, got, I've got so many great people in my lives, mm-hmm. my life. I, I, I can't even tell you how thankful I am for everything that's happened to me and happened for me, uh, good and bad. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, those are life experiences that I carry with me and I've had some wonderful ones. And I think anyone that would sit down and start a gratitude practice would begin to recognize that. Mm-hmm. that they have these relationships, they have these experiences, and they have this opportunity to have so many more. Yeah, absolutely. Our past, a uh, good, bad and ugly has made us who we are today. And we can benefit so much from all of those life experiences and everything that we've learned on the good days, just as well as the bad days. All right. Well, Rachel, um, I guess with this, we'll call this show a wrap. Sounds great. Have a good vacation. Thank you. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss how to have a sustainable, healthy lifestyle while traveling. Until then, have a happy and healthy week. 